This is Adeptus Podcasts, a podcast devoted to Warmer 40,000 Conquest, a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. Hosted by Matt, Nate, and Charles. You can reach us on our Facebook page or by emailing us at adeptuspodcasts at gmail.com. Hello everyone and welcome to a special edition of Adeptus Podcasts. On this special edition, we're going to be interviewing with Derek, who attended the World Eater Tournament at Gen Con. Derek, how's it going? Doing well, doing well. How's everything up there in the Great White North? Uh, it's not so white right now, thankfully. That's still <laughs> a few months like away yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, still got some time. Nice. I got, and hopefully, a little bit more time because I don't have enough firewood put away yet to keep me through the winter of my igloo. Oh, yeah. The, the special insulated igloos where you can have the fire. That's right. They're 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 newfangled thing. We get them 3D printed with snow. <laughs> <laughs> See, I can roll with the Canadian jokes. That's right. Ice wine comes from. I love Canada. Ice wine comes from there. Montreal's beautiful. Yeah. Spent my honeymoon in Banff. I love Canada. Oh, cool. All right. So, real quickly, maybe just give us a little introduction on yourself and kind of your your gaming history, so to speak. Absolutely. Uh, my name's Derek, as you said. I go by Shipwreck online and the various blogs and forums and internet places. Um, my main game right now is the Lord of the Rings living card game, and I co-produce a podcast on that called The Grey Company. And we put out podcasts every few weeks, and we chat about strategy and the meta and things like that with the, the living card game. Um, and I dabble in pretty much all the other ones. I have a great local play group here in Atlanta, and we everybody's kind of got their favorite, and so we rotate games. And once I heard the announcement for 40K uh, for Conquest, I got really excited about that because I've been a 40K fan for a long time, but I never could quite work myself up to crossing that great bridge into tabletop <laughs> uh, Warhammer 40,000. Um, but I was first introduced to the universe through the Dawn of War PC games, and I just loved it from there. And I read quite a few books and graphic novels and played various other iterations of the game. And so when uh, the LCG was announced, I was really pumped about it and promptly started my blog, which is called Freebooter Command. And it's uh, just kind of a part-time thing that I like to do. And I focus particularly on the orc faction. The orcs have been my favorite uh, ever since that, that first time I played Dawn of War. And uh, so I cover any previews we've had with the orcs i've covered any strategies I've, that come to mind i post them there and now that the game is released here at gen con and publicly soon i'll be posting deck ideas and things like that um, as far as my general gaming history uh, i played grew up playing board games and magic like just about everybody else my age and then kind of as i got a little older i got more into video games and then really just a couple of years ago i got super super um into tabletop gaming again so you can thank will wheaton for that so started collecting board games, and then I found the Lord of the Rings LCG. Then I got plugged into my group here, so I started playing all the other LCGs. So um, that's kind of my gaming history in a nutshell. So I'm really excited to get to play Conquest officially now that it's uh, it's been released. And this is my first year at Gen Con. Um, so that was a really exciting, too, to get to kind of take part in the the mecca of gaming in North America. Very cool. So this was your first Gen Con. So obviously you attended the FFG events. Did you do any other gaming while you were at Gen Con? Just kind of getting the whole slew of all the epic gaming I'm sure you could find. I tried. And I think everyone I spoke with who said who either was their first time or they related their first time, it's just kind of shell shock. It's like going into gaming Disneyland when you're if you were a little kid. Um, and instead of shouting, oh, there's Mickey, there's Minnie, you're shouting, oh, there's, you know, the new D&D and there's the guy, the, the FFG developers. And, you know, luckily they don't wear costumes or anything like that, which would be weird. But um, apart from the FFG stuff, I didn't do a whole lot of gaming. I, I other game that I'm really into right now is a tabletop RPG called uh, The One Ring, which is based on The Lord of the Rings, of course. And so um, I did a few s sessions of that, set in on that and. Uh, played a couple of the other games by Cubicle 7, which is the company that makes that game. Um, I demoed a few other games. I got to check out The Battle of Five Armies, which luckily is not based on the upcoming film. It's by um, Francesco and 
I can't think of the name of the other guy, but the guys who made War of the Ring, which is that epic Lord of the Rings board game. Uh, this is their new game, so I got to demo that. Um, got to demo a few of the other FFG games. Um, checked out the... You just kind of tour the exhibit hall, and any kind of game you want to play is going. And so I just kind of wandered around and checked different things out. There were a couple of games of 40K going, so I got to admire an orc army. Um, checked out a couple of games of... Uh, hordes and what else did we play played a lot of um doomtown which was one of the big ones and let's see if i can think of anything else we played um i didn't get to demo dead of winter but everybody was raving about it i was sad i didn't get to check that out but but yeah it's it's really just the word is shell shock because there's absolutely so much going on um, and I just barely, barely scratched the surface. And then playing Conquest in a tournament all day doesn't really lend itself to getting to explore and, and check everything out. So there's much left undone, but it was it was really a cool experience overall. Very cool. I'm hoping to go next year, so that'll be my first time. So I expect I'll have a similar experience where I'll be kind of like, uh, right. you know, what do I do first? Where do I go? Yeah. You really have to have objectives. I mean, I think if I'd had like a top 10 list of games being released that I could go demo and check out, that would have been way smarter because as it stood, I just kind of wandered around in, in shock and awe. But yeah, if you have the means, I, you should try to go like the whole time because I, it starts Thursday morning. I got there Thursday night and left Sunday morning and it was just not enough time. So, so to you kids at home, definitely try to plan to attend as much as possible if you get to go to Gen Con. Cool. Okay, so in regards to the actual World Eater tournament itself, uh, like you said, it was an all-day thing. When did the tournament actually get started? The, the ticket time said 11, um, so I got there at about 10.45. And again, just to, to preface all this, as I said before, my main game is the Lord of the Rings LCG, which is cooperative. And they had some great events for that. They released some Gen Con exclusives and things like that. So that's to say that short of the little teeny mini events that we have in my local shop, I don't play in these big tournaments like ever. Uh, so I'm kind of hoping to absolve myself of that now that Conquest is, is getting into full swing. Um, so all that's to say that when I arrived at 11, I thought, all right, I'm ready to go. I got my deck ready. I'm ready to have a little wah and you know, crush all the Space Marines. Um, 11 o'clock was just registration. So 10.45... I'm registered and um, I got an hour to kill. So I just wandered around the vendor floor again and it was very laid back. Like a lot of people were kind of surprised because you didn't have to write out your deck list and the FFG guys were very laid back and just said, you know, it's just the one core set. So you don't need to write anything out. Um, and luckily I didn't run into anybody trying to pull any shenanigans either with extra cards or mixing factions the wrong way or anything like that. Um, but yeah, started 11 tournament first pairing started at noon and they actually, started with 45 minute rounds and they explain um hopefully I, I can't quite remember the full tie break but it basically came down to if time was up whoever had the most icons on their planet cards not necessarily the most planet cards but the most icons would win uh the uh when the time went up um and after the first round they bumped it up to i want to say 50 or 55 minutes i'm sure i'll get some corrections on that, but they actually wound up bumping the time up. So effectively, we were kind of guinea pigs since this was the first tournament of its kind. Right. So was a match one game or was it multiple games? Uh, match was one game and they did uh, six, six games before the cut. So I was literally, you know, this is not a surprise to you guys who are into this kind of thing. But again, started at noon. We had an hour dinner break, and then it wasn't until 8 o'clock p.m. that the cuts were finally made. And it was interesting because, um, like I said, I'm totally new to this whole thing, but several people, people were saying that FFG was actually a little bit, um, I don't know, I already said laid backs, but maybe I'll say it again. Just, I guess, maybe not as efficient with their running of the tournament, whereas people who were playing Doomtown with maybe as many rounds uh, over in the AEG area got done a little bit quicker, so... Um, but again, there wasn't that much of a lull between the pairings, but yeah, it was, uh, one, one game winner got three points, loser got zero. Uh, if there was a draw, you got one point, turn in your ticket to the FFG guys, and then they'll do the next pairing just a couple minutes later. So, so it was cool. Everyone was super nice, by the way. Like everyone I played was very laid back. Everyone was very patient with each other as far as getting used to the rules. And, you know, I didn't meet any terrible rules lawyers. I heard some stories, um, 
but all the rest were cool. Um, Brad Anders, who's the lead developer now, was just one of the refs. So he was just kind of milling around and chatting. Super nice guy. Uh, so it's very um, friendly competition. Well, the one story I heard though was that with the HQ phase, you know, you've got all the things you do where you you draw your cards and get your resources and things like that. This guy said his opponent made them do it in order. Like there's one action window at the top of this phase. Um, and then you just do all the rest of the HQ phase. And this guy was just a stickler and made sure they went step by step and didn't do anything out of order. And I think I, I um, would not have been able to handle that with any kind of tact if I'd played that guy. So luckily all of my opponents and everyone around us was very nice and uh, very easygoing about learning the rules since we were all pretty new to it. Huh. I wonder if that person was maybe trying to get everyone to go slow because they were trying to learn and that's just how they, maybe how they learned. Yeah, it could be. Could it, yeah, because everybody wants to get it right, especially in those situations. So yeah. I'm, I'm sure you're probably right. They just wanted to get it done correctly. It's good though that it sounds like it was very uh, a very friendly environment, which is definitely what it should be for what was essentially a, a pre-release introductory tournament. Like for yeah, for most people that were there, the game was new. Aside from the, you know the other playtesters that were there, it was a a brand new game which no one had played as certainly of yet. yeah. And I was glad for that, too, because part of the reason why I don't do a lot of competitive gaming is because I can't stand the over hyper competitive attitude that you see sometimes. Like one of the few other um, competitive games I play is a t Star Trek Attack Wing because I'm such a Trek nerd. And it's like every once in a while you'll get somebody who just has to get every little thing checked and they want to. I don't know. I So I was very pleased that they were uh, all very kind and and all and not hyper competitive. So hopefully the scene will stay that way. Those kind of people pop in any competitive card game, I think. You, yeah, absolutely. You're probably just not as used to it just because, you, like you said, you mostly play Lord of the Rings, which yeah. you're actually the first person I've ever encountered who says Lord of the Rings is their main LCG. We're a weird bunch, but uh, we're, we're friendly. <laughs> I just got to get toughened up here. And it's funny, too, because if you – I don't know how much Lord of the Rings you play, but there's – I mentioned before we started recording that some of my losses were just dumb mistakes because I wasn't keeping track of the board state properly. Um right. And the Lord of the Rings has some crazy, especially with the new cycle, because the game's getting on and they have to come up with new ways to um, keep the game fresh. It gets the board state can get a little bit out of control. Like in the first pack of this current cycle, there's actually a note in the the um, paper that comes with the pack that said, "Pro tip: Take your time." Basically, you know, if the cards revealed and it triggers a bunch of effects. Just take your time and keep everything in order and things like that. So I'd hoped that all my time playing this. Lord of the Rings game would have attuned my brain better to the way the board state was, but uh, after after a few hours and eating crappy convention food, I guess my my mind wasn't quite as sharp as I wanted it to be. Yeah, it's definitely uh, can be a grueling ordeal playing off of a long tournament day. Like yeah. our Star Wars regional was, I think we started at like ten thirty or something. We didn't finish until like almost seven, so it was like nine-hour ordeal that was just so i mean gen con oh, be man, even that yeah. much longer because yep. you know gen con for some of the games you've got like you know day one and then you know if you make it to the finals and you got day two yeah at so. least you get a kind of a nice rest at that point but yeah it is definitely a marathon yeah yeah you're in kind of long haul that's for sure yep. so at the tournament what did you end up doing with your single corset deck what did you play i'm assuming uh, orcs Orcs, of course, and I splashed um, Astra Militarum. I mean Imperial Guard. I mean <laughs> Astra Militarum. Um, because I like Chaos, and I think they had some great synergy with the Orcs, uh, especially cards like Warp Storm, and there's that rune-encrusted armor, which is just kind of a no-brainer when it comes to getting your Orcs really beefy to um, take advantage of the Brutal keyword and things like that. So I, I like Chaos a lot, but thematically... I liked um, putting in Imperial Guard. I was hoping to have more Orcs and less Imperial Guard, but as you said, and as everyone knows, we just had the one core set, so I wound up putting in just about everything. Um, I think after I put in all the Orcs, all the Neutrals, um, I put in just about all of the non-loyal, non-signature squad Astra cards, uh, except for, I think, the Ogren and maybe one of the Ratlings, um, which actually worked out pretty well. The card that I think got MVP um, for myself and also for the other people I saw use it was the Catechin Outpost. That card 
just that plus two, especially if you forget about it, like I did, just kind of hiding there on the other side of the table. Uh, that plus two, if you don't calculate it as you're committing and deploying, can can get really nasty. Um, and the plus two is also really nice if you were trying to pull um, some initiative shenanigans. Like I had, um, I just had like a shoot a boy or no, not a shoot a, I wouldn't have put, anyway, I went up with a range, somebody ranged and I was going to, I kept him on this planet where I knew the warlord was coming to and I was hoping to just put some damage on him before he got destroyed. Um, and so that plus two bonus is really huge as far as putting extra damage on bigger units and also circumventing um, the shielded cards, which are really, which is super handy because People get really, really annoyed, and I got really, really annoyed when you just got this beautiful plan together and you're ready to take out a big unit, and then, of course, they've got the big shield card in their hand. So that plus two is really effective. Um, another one that worked well with the orcs was the... Um, uh, uh, what's the big unit that gives you the bonus with the supports? They have, like, five hit points. Not conscripts. Uh, anyway. You would think I would know that, but I can't. I can <laughs> well, picture it in my head, but I can't yeah. even what's called. I'm unprepared, but it's, I think it's <laughs> I think it's infantry conscripts, but it's the ones that have zero attack and five hit points, or maybe it's four hit points, and then they get plus two attack for each support you control. Um, so those guys are great because they've got a nice pool of hit points. So if they take a few hits, they get the bonus from Brutal when Nasdreg is uh, at the same planet as them. So um, so yeah, I really like the orcs. I think it was um, Nate who said in your last episode that. You know, or a lot of people will probably go with the factions that they're most comfortable with or familiar with thematically. Um, and then maybe change as the mechanics and the identity of the cards within the game develop. But I think uh, I'm, I'm stuck with orcs for the time being because I, I love them thematically and I love the, the brutal keyword as well. And especially once we pick up a few more core sets and the packs start rolling out, having uh, that kind of flexibility to put in the full number of the cards that I like is going to be, is going to be really cool because, you know, crush face is a huge card. He's amazing. He reduces the cost of any orcs you deploy to his planet, but having one in the deck is, is really a hindrance. Um, and I think that the single core set thing was good in that it, I believe it committed or not committed, but it, um, added to the laid back atmosphere of the tournament because, you know, if you've got the single core set, you've got one copy of a great card like crush face, um, you just might not see it because there's not a real way for your deck to be consistent. And so it took the sting out of losing a little bit. And um, it, as you said, kind of gave this uh, like a pre-release feel to it, um, which, which was fine. I think it would have been good and bad if they'd allowed more core sets because the decks would have been more effective and consistent and bigger and nastier. Um, but it also would not have been the, the same feel uh, of the tournament that it was. So, so that's a long answer to a short question. Uh, Orcs and Astra uh, with as many supports as I could get. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, the yeah. card is Infantry's con Conscripts. So you oh, good, I got that. it right. Yeah, which it's a good call. It would be good with Brutal with its five hit points. Yeah. Um, so I had another question here that I wanted to ask you. Um, how was your, your record for games played? How did you do? And what did you see as well in those games? You said there were six matches, I believe. Six matches. I got a buy, so I got a freebie, which was good. Okay. Um, so I wound up going three and three. So I guess that's technically two and three if I got a buy. Um, but, uh, let's see. It really seemed, and again, my, my perspective is limited because I only had a few other opponents and, the car, the games that were going on around us. But from what I saw and from what I heard from other people, it really seemed like all the factions were well represented. Um, I saw Tau Eldar a few times in various iterations. Um, of course, Space Marine Tau was, was really, really killer. Um, uh, but my first match was against a Netrunner guy who, uh, played Tau Eldar and, you know, the, the kind of popular wisdom as we've seen, the cards come trickling down as we awaited the release was that the Tau were cool, but being an attachment-based faction, if they didn't have the draw, then they were going to be kind of useless. Well, this guy got the draw. I mean, he he had the command struggles on lockdown. Uh, he was getting good draw. And I believe it's the, is it the crisis suit? The uh, I think it's the crisis suit is the one that has mobile. And so he had that with like the, I think it was uh, the shield attachment that does the reflector, reflected damage on him. Um, 
and he was kind of bouncing him that unit back and forth and just causing all kinds of problems for me. Um, and I just, because he had the command struggles locked down so hard, I just didn't have the resources to field any boys. Um, so that was my first taste of, I guess, not really the big leagues, but uh, as close to it as can be. And it was good fun. The guy was super nice. And, and again, like I said, because we were all learning, we kind of got some tips from each other and uh, rules clarifications along the way. So that was the first one was Tau Eldar, um, which was great. The uh, Let me see if I can remember. I'm unprepared. The next one was Orcs. Uh, well, it was the, the inverse. Well, let me make sure I'm getting this right. No, it was the same deck as mine. It was uh, Orcs and Astro Militarum. And so that was kind of like the old mirror match from Mortal Kombat days. But but uh, I learned my lesson for my first match and managed to get the commands uh, locked down as best I could. And then the other guy, just my opponent, just had some bad draws and he couldn't get any shield cards. And so um, I took three planets that way. Um, after that, I played Eldar Dark Eldar, um, which was good fun. And let me see if I can remember the rest. Oh, yeah. the Another one I played was a, a fellow playtester. Um, and he played the Tau Space Marine. So it was, it was Space Marine Warlord with the Tau uh, Splash. And, man, that was bad. Space Marines are bad enough as it is, especially once they get control of the board and start cranking out those resources, especially with Sicarius because he gets the bonus resource whenever he kills somebody or when when at that planet is destroyed. Um, and so then you see space Marines with these uh, ion rifles, which I, I joked and said, I, I want to get make a custom card that says uh, something like burn heretic. So whenever, you know, a space Marine or IG are using alien weapons, you can play that card or anytime a lore break happens, you can just play that card and it cancels whatever combo is going on. That would be so much fun. Yeah, I don't think they'd let that happen, but that'll be a good house rule. It'll just be like an Inquisitor shaking his finger. Um, so, it, But anyway, so Tau Space Marine was nasty. And then he just, again, because he he managed to get ahead of me in the command struggle, so he had this handful of cards. Space Marine with a handful of cards is bad times. Because, um, you know, one time he played Exterminatus, and then the next one was um, the Fury of Sicarius. So I thought I was being clever and shielding this guy. Nope, he's placed Fury of Sicarius and... My, my big golf knob or whoever it was is killed. Um, and then, you know, I'm so sure that I've got his uh, Blood Angels destroyed. And then he plays, uh, not the Halo, but whichever one cancels all the damage, like Indomitable or something like that. So anyway, because he had the, the cards in his hand, you know, Space Marines are full of nasty little tricks like that. So he, he uh, mopped the floor with me pretty handily. So those are the ones that I can recall. Um, but like I said, it seemed like, based on what I heard later, that lots of things were, were well represented because I saw lots of Tau. I talked to somebody later who said they saw lots of Eldar and Dark Eldar. Um, and then around me, I saw lots of people playing Orcs and Chaos and things like that. The only thing I didn't actually see or hear about was a Chaos uh, Warlord, but I know that there was there were some of those lurking around in the, in the shadows as well. So, so, uh, so yeah, it was good fun. Uh, I definitely learned a lot and, um, I'm excited to take the, take the meta to my local game shop and hopefully <laughs> have an edge in that regard. All right, cool. You can remember quite a bit considering how long ago it was now. Must've taken some notes, I assume. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I took, I took my lumps. So I, I try to <laughs> learn from my mistakes, hopefully. Yeah, for sure. So, um, it definitely seems like Space Marine Tower were quite heavily involved because we do know that they're the deck that ultimately won. Right. Um, you know, for whatever that's worth, where it was just a, a one course at events. So it's kind of hard to, you know, judge any kind of meta based on that. Uh, well, I will say the guy that I, that I mentioned before who played the Tau Space Marine or Space Marine Tower, however you want to say it, he had a good point in that a lot of the, pretty much all the factions, you know, you have to draw certain things to get the wheels going in your deck, uh, and, and they'll be okay as they are, but his point was that the Space Marines are pretty much okay no matter what. Um, they have so many strong cards that as long as you can pay for them, you're, you're kind of good to go, and just the units in themselves and the different shenanigans you can pull with Ambush and Drop Pods and, and the different events that they have, they're pretty solid through and through, which is just like Space Marines, and it's just reason why I hate them so very much. Um, <laughs> So, so I will say, at least from my perspective, the Space Marines are are at least a, a cut above, you know, one notch, if not more than one notch, uh, straight out of the core set, which makes sense because not only are they beakies, they're they're the space the Ultramarines as well, <laughs> who had their own movie. So that's you know, it's got to stand for something. Um, yeah, it stands for terrible movie. 
It was a bad movie. Yeah. I'm tempted to see it save your money. I uh, downloaded it less than 100% legally, and even that wasn't worth it. (laughs) It wasn't worth the bandwidth. No. (laughs) Yeah, I've watched it like two or three times because really there's no other Space Marine movie for me to watch. Yeah. And it has its moments. Like there's the part where it's it, the guy's got the heavy bolter and it kind of goes slow mo and the casing from the the bolt shoots out of the gun. And that it, that part is kind of cool. It says it "Burn the Heretic" cool. on the shell, which on is kind of cool. But he's carved into it with his knife. Right. Right. Anyway, moving along. Okay. So, based on what you did see, and of course your your love for orcs, where do you think things will go? with the corset and stuff. Like I know you said that space Marines are good right from the gates and stuff. And do you think space range will see space Marine dominance at least for a little while in the beginning? Cause that's where I think we're going to see it first. Yeah, I would agree. Um, cause one, like I said, they're pretty solid just right out of the box. And I will say this is something that I, I had a chance to, well, obviously wasn't like a full interview. I was just chatting with him as we were waiting for some games to finish up. But I talked to Brad, the designer, and I mentioned this on my blog as well, that he just kind of said in passing, I brought up Invasion, and he said in passing, you know, part of the problem with Invasion was that it was imbalanced through the first cycle. Um, and he said that they felt like they'd learned a lot from that and that things feel pretty balanced. I think Team Covenant kind of had the similar comment is that even though there's a huge number of factions, they're all fairly well balanced, even just seeing them out of the core set. And I think the other advantage this game has, and you guys have mentioned it on your show as well, that they've learned a lot from the other LCGs. Uh, they've learned a lot in terms of competitive play and mechanics, what's fun, um, what makes for a good game and deep strategy. So I think Conquest has a really strong start um, as a game. In terms of factions, I think, as I said, the Space Marines are a little bit stronger, but all the factions are good. Um, we slapped some decks together at the shop the other day, and I played... Um, Dark Eldar Eldar against my friend playing Space Marines Tau, and I, and I managed to squeak out a victory. Um, so, so there's that. But Space Marines being what they are, and now that we know also that the first pack is going to be Space Wolves, um, I think we will see hopefully not a big edge, but some kind of edge to the Space Marines. Um, and the way I, I try to think, I say this now, but I might be cursing the, the Beakies even harder than I already do in a few weeks. Um, but I like to say that that'll just give us non-Space Marine players some incentive to come up with some good strategies and really think deep about how we're going to build our decks and circumvent those those nasty uh, drop pods and, you know, dreadnoughts and things like that. But, but yeah, I think um, Space Marines first, and then as the packs develop, I don't really know, but everybody seems to be really big fans of the Eldar, and the Eldar have a lot of interesting tricks that they can do. So I, I would not be surprised if we saw lots of... Um, Eldar Tau combos, or even Eldar Dark Eldar combos as well, um, kind of as time goes on, because you know deck builders like to do tricksy things when they can, and thus far the Eldar and Dark Eldar are the the, the kings of tricksy. All right, cool, interesting thoughts. I I agree with pretty much everything you said there. I think what we're going to see, and this is me, you know, kind of being hypothetical, of course, is the Space Marines in the beginning, because Space Marines are you know space range really in a large way are 40k like you you can't see or read anything about 40k without there being a picture of a space marine you know shooting his bolter or whatever so it's like you know it's like what you just quoted that we talked about in our last episode in that everyone's going to kind of gravitate towards whatever their favorite faction from the lore and everything is so we'll see a lot of space marine players because space marines are popular and so, you know, they'll get some early wins because everyone's going to be playing what they they enjoy thematically as opposed to maybe actual gameplay-wise, and then you know, we'll see things shift. But, you know, it's like you said, too, Eldar, Dark Eldar could be a good uh, counter to Space Marine decks as well. So I can already kind of yeah. see a shift right there, you know. Hey, yeah, I'm playing Space Marines, be... well, I'm going to play Eldar and, you know, right. tap other cards. Absolutely. And yeah, that's another thing I like about this game is that initiative is so huge. So even if somebody's got a big army of space marines or whatever, if you can manipulate your deployment and um, your initiative and things like that, it gives you still a fighting chance. But but yeah, I'll be really excited to see kind of how this game goes through the first cycle. Uh, one, to see where the card pool goes and where and how the factions kind of shape up as it goes on. And also to see um, what the designers learn and 
what that will mean for future expansions, but but I'm definitely excited for this. I, I got I started I wanted to get into a competitive LCG, and so I got into Netrunner kind of on the ground level. I just couldn't get into it. I couldn't find enough people to play with. Um, so I'm excited to kind of be in at the ground level with this game and see where it goes. Yeah, I'm surprised you couldn't find enough players for Netrunner. Netrunner is crazy popular here. Like they're just coming out of the woodwork. I swear there's a new player every day. Well, I should I should rephrase. I I couldn't find uh enough players um who wanted to play with me after we played the Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay. <laughs> Lord of the Rings always came first. Like, you guys want to play Netrunner? Uh, no, it's late. We spent six hours hunting orcs in Moria, so yeah. we got to go home. Okay, yeah. I never really got into Lord of the Rings, sadly. I, I bought the core set and played that. And once I beat that, I was kind of like, eh, I'm bored. And yeah, oh, I'm a yes. huge Lord of the Rings fan. Not so much the movies. I prefer the books, but that's yeah, a whole other one. debate. But Well, I, I will say, come come join us on Octagon sometime. I think uh, you'll we'll show you the ropes. Uh, there's Lord of the Rings on Octagon? Now you know. I didn't was not aware of that. That's good to know. Uh, actually, that I should probably real briefly mention that there's also Warmer 40K on Octagon now, just in case anyone go. hasn't heard. All right. So, um, any other thoughts, Derek, from your experience at Gen Con? Hmm. Well, I think, you know, everyone who's fans of fantasy flight everyone who's fans of gaming tabletop gaming in general she just has a lot to be excited about uh i didn't get to attend the in-flight report but um pretty much everyone else from the podcast did and they were they came out ecstatic um fantasy flight as we all know does makes great games they have great pieces and um they use their license as well so be excited to with about fantasy flight products and be excited about tabletop gaming because it's just getting bigger and bigger um and I think if the response to conquest is any indication of um, what's coming in the mainstream outside of Gen Con, then we have a, a good reason to be excited about that as well. So, so yeah, it's a good time to be a gamer and a good time to, uh, to get into conquest. Um, I would definitely recommend Gen Con to anyone who has the means. It's really a lot of fun. I absolutely 100% agree with everything you just said. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, well, thank you very much for uh, coming on and joining us, Derek. We appreciate you and, you know, coming on here and spending some time with us. Uh, for anyone who wants to find you, like you said, your shipwreck on your shipwreck on all the boards that I've ever seen you on, on uh, FFG and Card Game. Are you on Board Game Geek as well as Shipwreck? Yep, I had to change the spelling a little bit because uh, I was late to the game registering the name. But yeah, I'm shipwreck on there as well. Okay, and the 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 address for your blog is the address for the blog is freebooter command with a K. We got to keep it orcish. So freebooter command with a K. dot wordpress. dot com and uh, all the blog stuffs up there as well. And the podcast is the great company. We're on WordPress as well. So yeah, come drop a comment. I'm hoping that. Traffic definitely kicked up after Gen Con, and I'm hoping that um, you know we'll get a little discussion going on there. Whether you play orcs or not, we'd love to, I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on the game and the articles that we post as well, even if it's just fluff. All right, awesome. Well, thanks again. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. No problem. We will cross the enemies of the Imperium. Initiating attack protocol 23. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special interview episode of Adeptus Podcastus. On this particular interview, we're going to be interviewing the winner of the World Eater Tournament at Gen Con, Jeremy Zorn. Jeremy, how's it going? Hi, Matt. Thanks. Very well. How about you? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Uh, aside from some vehicle accident that happened last night where my parked van was hit by a neighbor, but, you know. Uh-oh. <laughs> thankfully, no one was hurt. No one was in it. So, you know, it's, it's just a vehicle. Mm-hmm. But that's neither here nor there. So, uh, Jeremy, for those who maybe don't know who you are and haven't been following your rather successful career playing FFG LCGs, maybe give the audience a little bit of an introduction to yourself. Well, I've been a hardcore gamer for many years. I've been playing Magic the Gathering for over 20 years. I also love playing board games. I've been playing those for over 10 years, particularly the Euro games like Agricola, Castles of Burgundy, stuff like that. About two years ago, I discovered LCGs. Ever since then, I've been pretty much obsessed with them, so... Started off pretty well playing at Worlds there. and was fortunate enough to win the World Championships for Netrunner and Warhammer Invasion in 2012. And then last year, 
call Cthulhu World Championship also. So I'm on a pretty lucky streak so far, so we'll see what happens this year. So this year you're going to win Star Wars and Conquest. <laughs> <laughs> I highly, highly doubt it. Well, definitely not Star Wars. That's the one LCG I haven't really gotten into. Okay. The rest of them I play fairly regularly, but Star Wars I just didn't really grab me, so definitely not that one. <laughs> okay. The Conquest, I'll be there see what happens. Who knows? Yeah. Now, you live fairly close to FFG, don't you? Like, you're right in the heart of oh, yeah. FFG yeah, land. Like, yep, 10 minutes away, so... Okay. Very, very fortunate to live so close by, to go over there and hang out and meet all the designers and everything, so it's very, very cool. Yeah, I uh, envy you greatly right now. Yes, thank you. I know many people do. <laughs> I bet. All right, so uh, having gone to Gen Con, was this your first Gen Con, or you've been there a couple times before, have you? I've, I've been there before. I went there probably about 10 years ago for the first time. It's been about five years since I've been there, so... It was a while, so it was kind of overdue to go back. So it was good to be there, experience it all again. All right. So we know you played in World Eater, of course, since you were the ultimate winner. Did you do any other FFG gaming while you were there, like for any of the other LCGs, or did you pretty much stick to kind of wandering around? Uh, just the Conquest and Call of Cthulhu. I also helped judge the Netrunner tournament. And Cthulhu, I was able to get second place, very, very close. I lost uh, Tom Kapoor. He's a four-time world champ in Cthulhu. So a very, very epic, long, grueling game, a mirror match, two combo decks. So very, very, very interesting game. Congrats to him for pulling out. It was very, very fun. I have to try to get him at Worlds here, see what happens. Yeah, Tom seems to win a lot of Cthulhu events because I do see his name come up on a very regular basis uh, when it comes to pretty much anything to do with Cthulhu. It's, you know, it's either him or there's another name that seems kind of swap places back and forth for who wins this year. Yep, he's an excellent player, so can't wait for this year to see what happens at Worlds. Okay. So this year you'll be playing Cthulhu at Worlds, and what, do you plan on playing Conquest as well? Yeah, this year the schedule actually worked out pretty well. Okay. I had three games I'm really interested in, and all three don't conflict, unlike last year, so... Yeah, I plan on doing Conquest, Cthulhu, and Netrunner this year and see what happens. Okay. Last year, how did you do at Netrunner? I know you won the year before, but how did you do last year in 2013? Oh, that actually conflicted with the Warhammer Invasion. Oh, okay. So I started playing Netrunner. I did. I was doing well, but I really wanted to play Warhammer Invasion, so I made the tough call and dropped out of Netrunner to play Warhammer Invasion. Oh, okay. So this year, I don't have to worry about doing that since the three games I really like don't conflict, so it's very, very handy. Right. And uh, with Invasion now being uh, gone to the, the discard pile in the sky, do you still play that at all? or? Is yes, that... yes, I do. We have a, a local crowd here that we keep doing stuff. I run monthly tournaments at the FFG Event Center, so we're keeping the game alive whenever we can. So oh, Cool. Now with Conquest out there, most of us are willing to try that game and have kind of a good successor here, so... That's okay. The game went away. We got a new game to keep our minds on. Yeah, for sure. All right. So at the the World Eater event, how did the tournament go? Like, how did you find it ran and everything? And uh, what were you playing? I, I heard Space Marines and Tau. Yep. Hey, overall, it was a very well run tournament. I was very happy to be a part of it. It took quite a while. I think we started at around noon. It went till almost midnight. It was probably 11 o'clock. It got done completely. So it was a long day, but well worth it. it was... Brad and Nate judged it and did a very good job. And had took a while between rounds, but that's happened. So in the end, it was a very, very fun tournament. Everybody had a great time. Okay, so... With your deck, you were using the Space Marine Warlord, all those cards, and then the the non-signature, non-loyal stuff for the Tau. Did you use a lot of the neutral cards, or were you pretty much just non-neutral? Yep, you pretty much, for the Space Marine's Tau, I think you could cut five cards total, five or, five or six. Okay. So you didn't have too many options. You are pretty much forced to play what you had there. So I played almost all the neutral cards, cut a few of the Tau cards, some of my cards that didn't really work well, like the Ambush Platform, you know, doesn't work very well in a one-core set format. 
So most of the cards were just, you just play with what you have there and go with it. So a very different kind of format with only one core set. It's kind of like a, just a starter deck thing instead of a constructed format. So not really used to it. So it's kind of cool to have a different thing to think about, kind of challenging what to play and how the decks would play out. So I definitely prefer doing three core sets, but I understand why it was only one core set with a brand new game and everything. So it was different, but kind of cool in the end. It's a little more challenging in a way. Yeah, it, it. when I first heard it, I was kind of like, that seems really weird. But now that I've heard kind of reports and stuff, I'm like, that also sounds kind of fun because it kind of makes it a bit more of a, it's like you said, you know, a beginner starter tournament. You know, sometimes those are kind of fun because it's not really, you know, ooh, I've got these three Uber cards that work really well together. Now it's just kind of like, well, I hope I draw that one card or something like that. Yes, a much equal footing, I think. I think everybody's pretty new to the game, so. Yeah. Just kind of show everybody has equal opportunity, just one core set, just pick two factions, that's most of your deck, so much easier for beginners, so I'm fine with that. We'll see how different it'll be at Worlds. So what was your uh, your win-loss ratio like with your deck throughout the day? I was 9-0 and went oh, undefeated. Wow, so you had a yeah, very good day. Very, very good. I'm, I'm surprised, it worked very well. Okay. So what kind of decks did you see uh, other than uh, the Space Marine and Tau that we've heard were quite heavy? Yeah, I played against Space Marines four times. I played against Astro Militarum twice, and then an Elder, a Dark Elder, and a Chaos. So quite a few Space Marines. Not many Orcs or Tower around. I didn't see too many of those. Quite a few Elder, quite a few Astro Militarums. So I think overall orcs and Tau just didn't seem to work quite as well with one core set. Especially Tau, because their warlord is based on attachments. And with one core set, there's just so few to really work with it. So that's kind of a disadvantage for playing Tau with just one core set. But overall, yeah, lots of space ranges. They're just all around very solid. They have a lot of depth and consistency. That's what I went for, so... And with the towel there, it's a nice splash to have a little bit more synergy and just consistency is the main thing I wanted. Just try to get consistent opening draws and not have those bad draws with really expensive units or lots of support cards or anything. Just want to get, you know, three units on the first turn and be really nice. That's what I usually got. So got fortunate, had some pretty good draws overall and all went well. Right now, as for the actual how the tournament was structured, where it was just the one game, and then you kind of got points based on whether it was a win, loss, or a draw. How did you think that went? Did you think that was a good format, being just the one game, or? Yeah, I, I prefer best two or three, but with you know the time factor, it's probably not worth it. As Warhammer Invasion was best two or three, and just makes it a lot more fair if you get one bad draw. Well, there's another game or two to play, and with just one game every round, yeah, one one bad draw I could just sink you so I don't really like it but I understand with the time constraints it's probably not doable a best two or three it'd just take too long so I think they did 45 minute rounds it might have been extended later on and it usually went to time so some games can take quite a while I had one game in the top eight it was just an epic game truly amazing it went down to the last planet and I think that went to just about to time so close to 45 minutes, 50 minutes for one game, so the best two or three just I don't think it would work as much as I'd like it to be, just the time constraints wouldn't happen. Yeah, now when I used to play Warm Invasion in my first, well, my first and last big tournament for that game, we were doing best two to three, and we found that we were usually getting two games and never being able to finish the third. Uh, so... With this one, I know you said that a lot of the games went down to time. Do you think that was because, in large part, you know, like you said, everyone, for the most part, was new to this game, so maybe it'll be faster as people get more used to the gameplay and the flow of things? Or can you see yeah. it being a common thing where it you know, lasts the 45 minutes or whatever we get? That's definitely a factor for being lots of new players, a lot of rules questions and just unfamiliar, unfamiliarity with the cards and everything. So I'm sure once you get more experience in the game, you'll be able to play faster. 
there's still there's some games there's the planets are spread out with their icons they're going to take at least five or six turns to win via planets so there will be games that'll take you know at least half hour 40 minutes during every round and a best two or three just I don't, just, I don't see it working for this game very well overall. Because all our games are like Star Wars, Netrunner, you know, two games that's doable in 60 minutes or 65 minutes, but three games that just, it's hard to fit all those in in an hour or so. Yeah, and to, you know, do like 90 minute rounds or whatever would just be insane. So Yeah, just, the determined took long enough already, and that was about 11 hour term, and that was a long day so yeah if you did 90 minute rounds that'd just be crazy <laughs> yeah that would make for a very long day uh yeah I, I i agree with what you said there about you know it kind of depends on how the planetary icons fall where you could be in a situation where you know neither player can win for a certain amount of times just because you know the the seven plants that come up out of the ten so that's definitely a good yeah. point that you know it's we're likely to see it stay at one game rounds yeah i think that's how it will be Okay. Which is, it's okay. I mean, it's not the best, but it's it's doable. Although in the top eight, it might be nice to do best two or three, but again, time constraints, who knows. Well, do you think it would be best two or to do two out of three, or would you think we'd maybe do something like they do in Netrunner and they just had a Star Wars where it's like double elimination? Do you think something like that might work? or? I guess, yeah, that's possible. There's been a lot of people enjoying the double elimination, so I guess that's possible. It just all depends on the time limit, how how long they want the the single elimination rounds to be. So I would like two or three in the top eight. That would be kind of more fair, I think. You know, if you get one bad draw, well, you get another chance or two. So something besides just the one game per round in the single elimination would be better, I think, overall. So. We'll see if that happens or not. Right. We're still a little ways away, I think, from getting the official tournament rules. Um, so, now that you've had a chance to play with the actual cards and stuff, what are your feeling towards the uh, the core set and the cards in? You know, do you have any standout favorites that you found that helped you either on the day or that you just really liked, you know, since you've had a chance to go through all the cards after getting home and stuff? Well, during the tournament, I really enjoyed... The signature unit from Space Marines, the uh, Securities is chosen. It's a nice all-around versatile unit. You can use it to pick off their small one-hit-point units. Or even better, you can save it in your hand, wait for a crucial battle at the first planet, play your Securities is chosen at the second planet to pull their best guy away from the first planet before a big battle. So he was really helpful throughout the day. Of course, Captain Kato Securius, with his ability getting all those resources, that was extremely helpful. And for other factions, I really like Arkans Terror, just because combat tricks can be really important in this game. Just that surprise factor, be able to knock out one of their best guys in the middle of a crucial battle, just so nice to have. It's hard to play around that. There's Nullify that could counter it, but that's pretty much it, so... I love the Arkans Terror. There's lots of other cards I really like, so it's hard to pick out just one, but if I had to do probably Arkans Terror, just combat tricks are awesome. <laughs> okay. So is there a particular faction that you find appeals to you more than one of the others, or are you just kinda of gonna play whatever's best at the time? Yeah, overall I'll play anything. I've played everything quite a bit, so I gravitate toward what I think is the best, so but overall, if I had to choose one, I'd probably say Dark Elder. Just I love that style. If it can be aggro or control, it kind of whatever happens at the moment, depending on what the plans come up, you can try to be really aggressive and win three in a row, or sit back and try to play the long game. So they're probably my favorite overall, just because that they just fit my style and just sit back and see how the game goes and try to adjust from there. Have the kind of flexibility to be aggressive or defensive. Not set one way or the other. I actually really like their warlord too. I know some people don't really care for her, but I really like her. So we'll see in the end how how good she really is. I mean, it's hard to say this early on 
Yeah, I've noticed her husband quite a bit of chatter. People thinking she's maybe the weakest. Uh, yeah. But not necessarily something I agree with either. But yeah, I'd really enjoy her. So yeah, we'll we'll see. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, when you win worlds playing her, they probably will change <laughs> their tune. Ah, <laughs> uh, doubt that'll happen, but yeah, we'll see. It'd be very nice. <laughs> yeah. All right. So overall, with the game conquest, you know, where you're a very experienced LCG player, I believe. I mean, you've played. Have you? You've played all of them. Like I'm assuming you've played Star Wars at least. It just didn't appeal to you. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So how do you feel that this one stacks up to the other LCGs that we've already got? I think fairly well. It's probably right up there with my favorites. I mean, I really enjoy Call of Duty and Netrunner. I really enjoy Game of Thrones, but it's such a large carpool. It's hard to really dive into it right now. So just kind of dabbling in that. But I really enjoy that game, too. It's very deep and interesting. So yeah, I think Conquest is right up there, too. It's, it's an amazing game. I have to give FFG and Eric Lang props for designing yet another great LCG, so I think he'll do very well and he's got some very good strategic and tactical play good mixture of both, so lots of depth to it a lot of interesting gameplay, so I'm sure he'll do very well just like the rest of them, so it's, I approve, can't wait for the next one <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure I want them to make another one <laughs> <laughs> exactly. My wallet could handle that. Exactly. In so little time. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they accept children as forms of payment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they do. Um, or maybe souls. Although <laughs> I guess I'd have to find one. <laughs> um, so with uh, Conquest, I know one thing that I've noticed is it's one of those games that seems like it's very. It seems simple at first. Like I know when I first started playing, I was kind of like. It seems really simple, really fast. I'm just kind of like, like, it struck me as different from some of the other LCDs in that it was very fast and brutal and, you know, just kind of like, yep. you know, not, not rock'em, sock'em robots, but, you know, it was very fighty. But then as I played more, you kind of see some of the, the real tactical and strategic depth that lies within the simplicity of the game. So I think it's good in that, it's it's an easy game to learn, so it'll be relatively easy to teach to, you know, new people. But then over time, those new players as they play will see the greater depth of the game that may not be at first apparent to those who are just starting out. Do you did you have a similar kind of experience with the game? I did. Okay. Yeah, I think it's one of those games, you know, it's easy to learn but hard to master, so there is a lot of subtle plays you'll eventually pick up and with experience, you'll learn more and more little things that really help you win overall. Try to, at first, you miss little things here or there and don't realize how important they are, but over time, enough plays, you pick those things up and realize just how much depth there is to the game and very enjoyable. So I hope everybody else feels the same way and gives the game a chance and sticks with it. So see how it goes. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot of chatter of the, about the game on various forums and stuff. Uh, like uh, the Card Game DB Game of Thrones board, there was actually some people talking about wanting to play it at Worlds and stuff. And uh, on our local Facebook group for the Maritimes Living Card Game group that I run, there's been all kinds of people who are just like, I really want to try this Warhammer 40,000 game. Like, and it, you know, the people are mentioning it in other groups that I'm in and they're just like hey is anybody going to check out this game? I was like yeah I'm going to bring it down this weekend I've already got a copy. They're like what? Nice. It's out? And I'm like well I got it from Gen Con so it's not <laughs> out out but it's you know I have a copy so you know you can definitely welcome yeah, to try good. it. So it seems like it's it's well on the way to being a hit. Uh, I don't know if it'll be quite as big as Netrunner but it's, it's yeah. the biggest one that I've seen since Netrunner. Yeah, it's uh, really, really hard to match Netrunner, so I doubt that. Yeah. But even just, you know, coming anywhere anywhere close to that would be amazing. So Yeah, be... that's that's good that people are talking about it and excited. I can't wait. Especially with the the Warlord cycle. I mean that should be coming out fairly soon too. That'll just keep the moment, momentum going and head into Worlds here and hopefully people will stick with it and enjoy it. 
Yeah, it'll definitely be good if they can be quite as aggressive as Steve Horvath said they wanted to be with the uh, the Warlords, like on having a pack out before yeah. World. So, you know, we could see a, a whole new Warlord, uh, maybe Ragnar in that case. Yeah, a very, very unique Warlord. They'll be interesting. He's legal at Worlds. Have the Warlord Hunter out there and different style of play. I really like him. Right. Okay. So... I don't really think I have any other questions for you. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to say or share or anything like that about the game or anything else before we, we wrap things up here? Um, just nothing in particular. If you think of anything else, go right ahead. I don't know. I just think it's a wonderful game. It's, thank FG for making yet another good one and running a great tournament at Gen Con. And looking forward to Worlds. I hope everybody else enjoys the game. It's it's definitely a, a great one. I really enjoy it. I'm not just saying that. I really do enjoy it, especially at the competitive level. It's kind of different when you just play casually, but when you play competitively with it, it's, it's like a whole other level. And it's, it's great to feel that, just the, the bluffing and try to figure out what your opponent's going to do and what plans they're going after, where they're going to commit. That's probably my favorite thing about the game, is just secretly committing each turn. You know, it's very, very crucial in trying to figure out where your opponent's going to go. And if there's an obvious choice, you stick with the obvious choice. You try to go somewhere else, go somewhere else and bluff them out. And they try to bluff you out in response. I mean, there's a lot of little things you'll start to learn when you pick the game up. So it's very, very cool. I'm looking forward to it. I can't, can't wait for Worlds. So speaking of Worlds in the competitive scene, where do you see things starting out of the gates with just the core set. Like, I know you have some experience from playing the game during the playtest as well as, you know, at the World of Year tournament, but, you know, things, as we both know, kind of change after that. Where do you think the the meta will kind of get started at? Well, it's, it's hard to say exactly where. I think overall the game is it's pretty balanced. It's Every faction has a chance. It's, I don't think there's any one faction that will dominate. I don't think there's any one faction that's unplayable. I think they all have viable builds. So overall, I think it'll be very interesting. I think every everybody has a chance. So I don't think there's anything that's too broken or overpowered out there. So hopefully it'll be a fairly balanced meta game overall and very interesting. And just whatever faction you like, go ahead and play it. And I think you'll have a chance. So. In the past, some of the other games haven't been quite as balanced out of the gate like that. And like Warhammer Invasion just wasn't the best core set, so hopefully this one will be different and everybody will enjoy it. And doesn't matter what faction you like, you'll know, have a chance. And with the Warlord cycle coming out, yeah, things will change, but even just right out of the gate, I think it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, I'm quite surprised by how balanced things ended up with them having all seven factions in the one box. Like, Yeah, it's tough to do. Yeah, for sure. Especially in a game like this where everybody can play. Everybody knows. It's not like Netrunner, which also had seven factions, but you know it was kind of four against three, so yep. it wasn't quite the same. It was just kind of everyone on everyone. Um, There's two more factions on the way, so... Yeah, the Necrons and the Tyranids, for sure. How are, how are those going to mix in? It'll be, be interesting to see. Can't wait. Definitely. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time, Jeremy. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on here and you know, just kind of giving us a brief little rundown of your experience with the game and everything like that. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Yeah, we'll be lucky to have you any other time and you know, maybe we'll interview you again after Worlds. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll be glad, glad to come back anytime. Cool. I'd love to come back after Worlds. We'll see. But even if I don't win, no problem. I'm just, whenever. Yeah, no. Know. Even if you don't win, for sure. We'd be glad to have you even just to kind of hear about, you know, yeah. how things went and how things kind of shake down once everyone's playing you know, with the full-on constructed decks with hopefully that extra pack thrown in there. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Cool.